Today on Catfish Best Source, we are going to talk about tournament cheating with True North Polygraphs' Derek Zimmel and other features about cheating polygraphs and everything else you wanted to know. From the studios of Grand Forks Best Source, welcome to Catfish Best Source, presented by Half Brothers Brewing Company. I'm your host, Brad Derek. Joined with producer Dale, as always, reminder quick... Be sure to get on social media and sign up for our Super Clean contest at Brad Derrick Outdoors Facebook page. Find the post, just co- like it, and comment Super Clean. We'll have a random drawing in a few weeks. Before we get started, we're going to talk about the latest and greatest in snowblowers, muskox. If you have no more of a snow esk, let's start that over, eh? <laughs> If you move snow with a skid steer, you must see the muskox difference. A patented backdrag feature allows operators to blow snow while backdragging in front of obstructions like garage doors, siding, and fire hydrants. This saves time and money while lowering injury risk from decreased manual labor. The optional dual auger, called the dually, helps operator eat through big snowfalls, ice-crusted snow, and blow more snow while backdragging. And glide plate allows you to glide over the grass and gravel without ripping up the soft surfaces. If you look at your screen right now, you'll see all about it. Gravel without ripping up soil surface. I already read that. Subsequently create an instant torque with lower cutting edge to break up snow and ice better to expose the hard surfaces. See the muskox difference. Go to muskox.com or Facebook at muskox snowblowers or call 218-288-1905. Muskox. See the difference for yourself. They are looking for dealer inquiries. Before we get started, as always, we have to talk about our presenting sponsor, Half Brothers Brewing. This one is a new one, the Sour Gummy Ghost, which I've always liked. This one is Caramel Apple, and Beer Tender Bob handed me this one. I've never tried it. I have no clue what I'm getting into on this one. And it's interesting. I've kind of avoided it when I've been at the tap house, so here we go. And by golly, it tastes just like a caramel apple. <laughs> I'm impressed. I like it. I give them an A. As you already know, I'm having a Half Brothers brew, the Sour Gummy Caramel Apple. Bob, you're a winner for rep- recommending that one. These guys are awesome at making beer. They have me enjoying stuff that I used to not care much for. I find like myself liking IPAs and sours, but I still love the classics, such as the classic or Nodak 23. There's so many more I can't even remember offhand. They change weekly, so there's always something new. Like like them on social media so you get the lowdown on what's new each week. Beer comes out on Fridays. I also want to tell you about the tap room on North 3rd Street. Do yourself a favor if you're in Grand Forks. Head down to the tap room for one of their many beers I've already told you about. Hang out with your friends and bring the family. Kids are welcome at Half Brothers. Enjoy pizza, pizza rolls, nachos, and oh my god, the pizza pretzel bites. That's number one in my world. You won't regret it. Check them out on the web at halfbrothersbrewing.com. Stop by the tap room at North 3rd Street in Grand Forks and tell them Captain Brad sent you. Okay, here we go. So you may or may not remember back in September at the Lake Erie Walleye Trail Tournament, it was all over social media, all over the news, that allegedly... Jacob Runyon and Chase Kaminsky from Iowa and Pennsylvania put lead weights in their walleyes, and they were cut open and busted for that. They've since been charged on it, and for about two months, those of us who direct tournaments, that's about all we've talked about, is tournament cheating. Now, going back years and years and years to 2015, 
when I started the Shields boundary battle, I looked up a guy in town from True North Polygraph who's an expert in the field of polygraphing. So I got to say that in my tournaments, I feel very confident that we have created a level playing field. So I'd like to bring in from True North Polygraph, Derek Zimmel. Welcome aboard, sir. Thanks for having me tonight. Now, before we really get going, I just want you to explain your professional experience and how you got to polygraph and certified and everything, just so we know that you're the real deal in professional polygraphing. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, I started in, in polygraph from the law enforcement perspective. So I was sent to the Texas Department of Public Safety Law Enforcement Polygraph Program in 2007. In 2009, I started True North Polygraph and uh, started dabbling in private polygraphs from there. Actually, for the tournament ones, you were the, the icebreaker as far as that goes. I so, was going to bring that up. But <laughs> since you, did. You, were, you were the trailblazer. Bla- trail um, so I started doing the tournament polygraphs with you and uh, several additional poly- or, uh, tournament polygraphs ensued. Um, currently, I do uh, catfish tournaments locally here in Grand Forks as well as up in Drayton. And I have been doing for a number of years polygraphs for Cabela's Masters Walleye Circuit and the National Walleye Tour. So... So this is growing a lot more since the old initial 2017 Shields Boundary Battle Catfish Tournament. It, it, it has expanded a bit beyond that, yes. So I want to go back to when I first got a hold of you. I believe it was in an email. I think so. And That's usually how people get I'm a hold not of sure what your reaction to it was, but I, you know, we got together at a local establishment. We sat down, and you were nice enough to just go through everything from the beginning because mm-hmm. – You'd never done a fishing tournament. Well, neither have I at that point. So <laughs> I guess we were in it together at that point. But, you know, you went through it and explained what it was and how it was was going to be. If you just kind of go back to how you explained the procedure to me. Sure. Fishing tournament polygraphs are a little bit different than a quote-unquote regular law enforcement polygraph. Uh, For law enforcement polygraph, there's more extensive... I mean, you usually have a case report to go off of. Uh, They're pretty serious allegations, specific allegations. And fishing tournaments are a little bit different in that we don't have a few hours to sit down and go through a process. Um, There's a little bit more of a time constraint, so there's a kind of a sliding scale of spending enough time in the test itself to put someone in a position to succeed, but yet... Uh, maintaining an awareness of the time and the, the necessary flow of a tournament, especially following a tournament when we have a winner and all of that. So we still want to go through, um, identify the, the topics to be tested, and, and that is largely dependent on the tournament director. Uh, I've worked for directors uh, that are more concerned with pretty limited scope in the test, just worrying about um, competitive advantage rules. Uh, is someone fishing within tournament boundaries? Is someone fishing within designated tournament hours and the like? There are other tournaments that say, uh, we give these guys a list of rules. Um, we want to make sure that they're following them, and no rule is, is more important than any other rule. So then it gets down to everything from kill switches attached to lanyards, attached to PFDs, and, and everything. So it, it really depends on the tournament director and what they're looking to resolve. For those of you wondering, I'm in the first group where <laughs> tournament hours, tournament, culling fish, things like that. Culling is a big one. Culling is a big one where if you've got a tournament that doesn't allow it, that's likely where the problem is going to be. Well, and, and I think historically speaking, 
here, because we're no call state, that is still number one to this day. I would agree. And the other stuff just kind of fits in. Although with the current situation of Lake Erie, the fourth question that you requested we add a few years ago, did you modify the fish in any way, right. has a whole lot more meaning now. Absolutely <laughs> it does. And, and uh, it's funny, the, the Lake Erie thing, and, and in the aftermath, people have asked me, how do you even target that? And I said, we've been doing that for years. Um, have you altered the fish in any way? And the two examples that I specifically give, but they're not limited to those, is uh, any fin trimming to get under a certain length or... Uh, I think I typically jokingly refer to it as lead poisoning and artificially inflating the weight, and that would certainly come into play with the Erie. I don't know how much you're on social media, but the memes about lead poisoning after that were <laughs> phenomenal. We should have gave producer Dale some of these to put up there. I can pro- I can about imagine. I can show them to you. They're on my phone. Don't don't think for a minute. Oh, Dale wants to talk for a minute. Just flip that switch uh, to the. Dale wants to jump in here, and I don't know what to push. Oh, okay. No, you're good. Uh, I can I'll just go off camera here real quick. On, on our sports show, our, spo- our sports host, Monty, had a fun little meme with it where he had a bag of goldfish crackers, and he's like, hey, check out my goldfish crackers. Dumped them out on a paper plate with marble weights inside. <laughs> <laughs> so, good stuff. I might have to roll that one day. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, it was pretty harsh, but I think tournament directors at every level have revisited everything this winter. I would think so. And I'm I'm really confident, and I've already interviewed you once for an article about this. In fact, I'm using mostly the same questions, but I think we're so far ahead of this in what we've done over the past eight years that it's not going to be a big deal for us. I mean, I'd plan on changing nothing, really. A lot of times people are surprised when uh, they ask me about polygraph and I mentioned the fishing tournaments and, and they get just taken aback. What would you even ask someone with fishing tournaments? And my response is always you dangle a few thousand dollars or a hundred thousand or more in front of people and you'd be amazed at what type of creativity can come out as far as skirting the rules. Right. Now, since you have been with us, which is since day one, I find it interesting that most of our anglers know you now. Right. They shake your hand. They're happy to talk to you. And that tells me that we've created that level playing field and everybody is on that level playing field and cheering one another on now just by how they treat you and Rory when he comes to our tournaments. There was a lot of anxiety in the beginning. I, I don't know if you want to talk about your... I absolutely uh, <laughs> want to talk about it. <laughs> I absolutely want to talk about it. That, that was me offering it up for you on that. Yeah, one. well, thanks. You're a good interviewer. <laughs> I mean, we joke every time we see each other mm-hmm. about the very first time. I Again, I first tournament I'd ever directed, first time you'd ever done it, obviously. I, I mean, bringing a polygraph into the tournament, nobody had ever done it before, that tournament in 2015. And you had suggested that you come to our rules meeting and just walk everybody through the procedure to put everybody at ease. And then you snuck that one comment in that I still laugh at is, and even if they think about cheating, they'll hear my voice and break into a cold sweat. (laughs) So just kind of lightly go through what you talked about that night, because I think it was an awesome way to start the procedure. The, The biggest concern people have is that anxiety uh, nervousness is going to cause a fails, failed polygraph examination, and it couldn't be further from the truth. Anybody 
who takes a polygraph examination, regardless of circumstances, whether it's a, a fishing tournament and there's $100,000 or a million dollars on the line, um, whether it's a criminal case, a pre-employment examination, uh, it, it doesn't matter. Everybody is nervous. If you're sitting down for a polygraph, you're nervous about it. And so uh, if nervousness caused a failed polygraph examination, everyone would fail. And if everyone fails, there there is no polygraph. So what I tried to do is just give them a brief introduction. Look, we're going to talk about what, what the polygraph is, what it does, what the attachments are for. Uh, we're going to address the rules to be addressed. And uh, you're going to know the questions before the actual test. And everything is designed to successfully get you through the test. Um, it's my hope. And it is my ho- it's been my hope from the very beginning, and it will be as long as I do these, that people successfully complete the test. They pass. They go get to have a few barley pops with their friends and enjoy the, the winnings. Um, I, I never want anyone to fail a test. And so I'm going to do everything in my power to get them through it. Now, at the end of the day, if they're deceptive, there's probably a reason for it. Right. And we're going to talk about that after our break. But first, I got to go back to what you still say every time we talk. When you got done with that very first speech, when I, and I was just nervous. I didn't know what to say. <laughs> and I said, well, that tells you if you're going to cheat, don't cheat good enough to win. <laughs> and apparently that has meant a lot because people still say it to me. I love on the that street. Line. That that was fantastic. Does any other director say it? <laughs> I've never heard you're the only one that I've ever heard say that. I still say it to this day even when you're not at the meeting just <laughs> because we laugh about it all the time. Right. But so locally we've we've taken everything, but the big thing you had mentioned the first time was we're trying to create you just said I want everybody to pass. Right. What we're trying to do is just level the playing field and have everybody at the same starting point so they're not getting ahead deceptively. I probably said that wrong. but Ultimately, uh, and, and I, I tell the folks that come in for the test, look, we want you to walk out of this room having passed the polygraph test, and now everybody can congratulate you and know that you won it fair and square, and, and that's the bottom line. Now... Ray Lee, I don't know if you've heard what he said. He said you didn't even beat him. (laughs) (laughs) I try to avoid that one possible. He said it now twice, and he was on episode one, and he said it again because we were talking about the Cat's Incredible win, and that's probably the last test you've done this year, isn't it? No. No, you did a couple after that? Yeah. Okay. Well, it was the last catfish test of the year, and he said he didn't even beat me. I, I think the, the common response following the test um, with pretty much everyone, they're surprised that it's, at least the first time, they're surprised when it's done. And, and it's just, that's it. We're done. Yep. And we've had some people in there multiple times now. So, yes, we have. you know, you're all getting to be friends now. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the truly successful ones that I see a few times. Right. So I'm going to take, where's producer Dale? We got to pay some bills here if I can find my sheets, of course. We'll go without. Brothers Firearm Shop, located in the Grand Cities Mall. They buy, sell, and trade new and used firearms. Brothers has got you covered for anything you may need, from tons of firearms, silencers, all the way to flamethrowers. Derek, do you got a flamethrower? If I did, I'd be using it on my driveway right now. Oh, I'm going to go get one, maybe. Brothers Firearms is veteran-owned. Check out Brothers Firearms in the Grand Cities Mall in Grand Forks 
Open Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturdays noon to 4. Brothers Firearms protecting America since 2015. Check them out on the web, brothersfirearmshop.com. As I mentioned, our friend Thunder Ray. Everyone has a car or truck. We'll need a repair at one time or another. May I recommend Thunder Ray's Auto Repair in Grand Forks. Ray is a friend of the show and catfishing. He started his own shop a few years ago, and I knew he would do great. Just drive by that shop. It's always full of cars, and that tells me that they're good over there. Our family's taken all of our service to Ray since they opened. Ray fixes all makes and models of vehicles. Besides fixing your car and truck, you can order and mount any tires you want. They can also fix, rotate, balance tires if you need. And from my personal experience as a new in industry for Ray, they can pack and replace wheel bearings on your boat trailers as well. Oil changes, tire changes, brakes, starters, alternators, electrical, and every other thing you can imagine for your car. And they might even be able to help you with restore your muscle car. If you want a fast, honest service, think Ray's. Thunder Ray's on North Washington and Grand Forks. For more information or to make your appointment, look them up at thunderrays.com. All right, let's get into the nuts and bolts of the polygraph. So you are certified polygraph examiner. Tell us what that means, because that's important. That is a big deal here in, sure. in, as we move forward. It, it's passing a, uh, a basic course certified um, by or recognized by the American Polygraph Association, which is the, the predominant polygraph uh, organization nationally. So uh, I'm also licensed in the state of North Dakota uh, to conduct testing. Um, and I, any state that requires licensing where I do a test, I, I do have to have that license. So I do tests in South Dakota for some of the, the national tournaments. South Dakota is a licensed state, and so I'm licensed in South Dakota as well. Now, you have all the equipment. Yep. One set or two, I can't remember. Two. I had to, to buy a second set for our Missouri trip last fall. So... I'm going to guess that you're not running the $139 polygraph kit from Amazon.com. <laughs> uh, no, I am not. Uh, I run Lafayette Computerized Polygraph Instruments. And it's probably not $139 either. No, it, you don't it might have to be say a, what it is. It might just, be a multiple of 139 but it's a pretty big multiple. It's not, uh, it's not the Amazon special. So what you're saying is professional equipment. My point yes. for even bringing that up is anybody can buy one of these things, but is it quality and can they use it? Yeah, and, and my strong caution with that, um, especially when it comes to polygraph tournaments, um, I, I'm licensed and insured. And any tournament director bringing polygraph in uh, as far as determining whether or not someone wins a prize regarding a, uh, regarding a fishing tournament, there's a certain amount of liability that gets attached with denying someone something uh, that they're claiming to have won. So if you're going to involve someone in that process, you better make sure that they know what they're doing. So since you bring that up, that seems to go co- hand in hand with the folks that won't fish in these tournaments because they're fearful of their reputation should they fail sure. when they didn't do anything wrong. Right. Well, that's kind of the protection for that. But talk about what their chances of failing are if they did nothing wrong when they're using we're using a certified examiner. Uh, and again, I, I go back to um, properly preparing someone to be successful on the test, uh, properly conducting a test, and properly scoring a test. Um, we set the bar pretty high in fishing tournaments in order to call someone deceptive, and for a reason. Um, quite frankly, if, if somebody 
deliberately violated the rules and they're sitting there with a cash prize waiting for them, uh, it, it's not going to be a, a marginal demonst- or display of, of deception. They're, they're going to hit that test pretty hard. So um, I have had in, in my years, starting with you and all of the tournaments that I've done since then, both local, uh, national, and, and I think the, the biggest freshwater tournament that's ever been held, um, I've had one person that my company has had one person fail a, a fishing tournament test one. And, uh, there were disclosures made that showed why they failed. Uh, we conducted a second test to verify that that's all that happened and they successfully passed that test. So we pass that information on to the tournament director and they make a decision on what to do with it. You know, I'm the one supposed to be driving this show, <laughs> not you. <laughs> I was just answering your question. Yeah, I know. Um, well, since we bring that up, let's let's talk about that one sure. incident. And I don't know how detailed you can or can't go into it, but I'm sure we'd like to hear as much of the story as we can. Right. Um, so it, it was a, a major, major freshwater fishing tournament held last fall. Um, in fact, it was a the culmination. It was a championship uh, portion, and it was based on a series of, of regional tournaments so you you needed to go through several levels to even get to that championship tournament and we did testing on all three days of the tournament um and quite frankly the the prize hanging out there for the winners was uh for a two-person team a million dollars in cash and each one of them got a brand new nitro and a brand new tundra to tow it with so there's a pretty big incentive so a little bit more than the two grand you're gonna get in grand forks at a catfish (laughs) tournament (laughs) a little bit and and uh i'll also point out that it was only open to amateurs so uh none of the the uh major tour professionals were likely going to be eligible for this so again there's there's a added incentive for somebody to skirt the rules if they think they can get away with it. Um, and, and to be fair, um, the issue at hand wasn't someone deliberately going out and, and doing something that uh, they deliberately engaged in with forethought to try to, to gain a competitive advantage, but it was a violation of the rules. And um, the contestants were very aware of it. Um, there was no doubt as far as the outcome of the test. Um, and again, we went back, reviewed it, conducted a follow-up test to show that this was the only thing that they had done, and they successfully completed that test so that they passed that one. And ultimately, um, based upon the conduct and the clear violation of the rules, they, the tournament director and the corporate sponsor elected to disqualify them. So um, that's the only one. And I have no doubt that there may be another one or two down the line. It, it could certainly happen. But of all the tests I've done, that's the only one that's that's gotten to that threshold. Well, I have to believe after the whole Lake Erie thing, the next couple of years is probably a bad time to cheat just because <laughs> everybody's going to be watching everybody. I would think so. Just because we're all on high alert now. Sure. But, you know, you talk to me, and if I'm going too far – about that particular case of the failure. Mm -hmm. It was a situation where it was a rule that may or may not have been acted on, and they acted on it. Had they not, you probably, or the sponsor probably would have let that one go, correct? That's my understanding, yeah. And we don't want to get too deep into what it was. But the point is, it was was a a rule broken and Mm -hmm. a fairly substantial one in the end. Correct. 
it wasn't like they were tying fish up to logs and going and retrieving them later. It wasn't that blatant, but it certainly was a, a violation of the rule. Um, they were aware of it, and they knew going into the polygraph that it was probably going to be a problem, and it was. Now, you're, you got, this is where the two machines came in was this, this one, right, right? Right. So you and, you and Rory, I'm not going to give his last name, but he's worked for us as well in our tournaments, and great guy, does a great job. Um, your test admitted to it right and his caught it correct, correct. yeah so were, you were already aware right. what was going on when by the end yep do we need to start running two at a time in our tournaments or you think we're okay with I think, one i think we're good <laughs> i think we're good that one uh there was there was a lot of money at stake and and they really wanted to make sure that they did their due diligence to ensure that there weren't any questions after the after the the tournament just out of curiosity do you know what the entry fee was for that to have that kind of a prize at the end um as i recall and i could be wrong on this but i think the entry fee was 900 dollars per team for one of the qualifying tournaments and it's also my understanding that uh, all of those entry fees ended up being donated to conservation efforts i don't i think that was the one buy-in and i don't think there was any entry fee to the championship as long as they qualified for the championship they fished so they there was a 900 dollars investment in Probably uh, somewhere between 1.3 and 1.4 million on the back end. Nice. It's not. If there's bad. anybody watching this podcast knows how to pull that off in a catfish tournament. <laughs> let me know because I want to do that. It's a hard way to make an easy living. <laughs> oh, tell me about it. So let's go back to uh, we talked about someone being innocent, and and you led into that. But how about? The old comment that you can teach yourself to beat those guys. Right. I want to hear more about that because that always comes up. People are not successful at deliberately, quote-unquote, beating a polygraph test. Now, people can and sometimes do uh, use various methods to try to create physiological responses. The problem with that is they're unnatural responses. They're not timed properly. They have no way to control the amount of actual response that's measured. And so it's very difficult, if not almost impossible, to mirror actual physiological responses that naturally occur within the body. So quite frankly, if I'm seeing somebody going out of their way to mess with the polygraph test, um, First person I'm going to go to, because again, I, I'm not a decision maker. I, I give the information to the tournament director and let them decide. Uh, now, if someone were to be doing that, uh, regardless of the numerical outcome, I can express my concern to the tournament director, say, hey, uh, there's something very unnatural going on here. Um, I've warned this person. Uh, we tried to do a second test. It continued. I warned them again. I'll leave it up to you. Do you want me to keep testing him? Because right now I'm not comfortable expressing an opinion whatsoever. Unless, of course, they still qualify as a deceptive test, and then that makes things easy. I mean, one of the deterrents you had told me about is if the target question or whatever pops up, bite your cheek, and I think there was a couple more in there. There are any number. I mean, you can go on the Internet and come up with 50 different things about things that you can do stepping on a tack and all kinds of stuff. All that does is give you a bloody foot. You know, and the machine and an, a good examiner is going to catch that before yeah. the reaction, correct? You're going to see something trip long before the whatever they happen to do to try to deceive you. I've done polygraph tests getting away from the, the tournament stuff. Absolutely. Any, Talk any, about polygraphing. Anything from hit and runs to homicides. Um, people have 
engaged in various maneuvers across the years to try to circumvent the natural polygraph process. Um, it doesn't surprise me. It, it, they're also not very good at it. Okay. <laughs> well, okay, we'll tell it how it is. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good one. So um, I was talking to another tournament director, and they said one of the things that has come up is they'll call a polygraph later or the members aren't available the day of, so two, three, four days later, mm-hmm. and then they pass. And then, of course, people think something crooked, deceptive is going on just simply with that. Can you, I want to address some of that going, delaying the procedure, what might be going on, or is it just can't I, make it? Yeah, I don't. Um, number one, that hasn't been a problem with me. Uh, we've always been on site at the... We make them be there. That's not negotiable, (laughs) so it's not a problem. It's part of the deal. Um, This is where I got to tell them. When we do the boundary battle, and I think Cats Incredible still does it too, we actually send them to the East Grand Forks Police Station to do it. So we double down on them. (laughs) I thought initially that that would be intimidating. Um, They're fine with it. Probably, no, no. probably because the, the chief is out there fishing with them. So. Oh, and that's exactly it. That's why we asked is because Chief Mike Hedlund fishes right. with us. We all know him. And it's super close and convenient to yeah. the boat accesses to get you in, get them in, get them out. So that's why we do it. We're not being mean. Right. It's just convenient for everybody. Right. But going back to delays. I, I, we haven't encountered that because uh, we've been on, on site. I wouldn't imagine it would be a problem. I think it would be more of a problem to um, be concerned about if one partner was doing something that the other partner didn't know of. And uh, that, I'm sure, happens on occasion. Um, but as far as a delay goes, again, a lot of, large number of my tests has been, have been on uh, criminal investigations, and that's not immediately following the, the criminal act that might be days weeks months right, after the fact right. so, so that makes sense there yeah. so another thing back to ours and, and any of them and it was one of the very first things you told me when we were first talking about this was drinking right uh, make sure they don't drink or don't drink more than one ish don't before drink they excess. come in or we're going to have to postpone it just Correct. to get a sober person to take it right it, Alcohol is not going to cause a truthful person to demonstrate deception or vice versa. Um, however, it, it's going to affect the body's physiology. And uh, if someone has one or two, I'm fine with it. They can drive. They can certainly sit down for a polygraph examination. If someone is uh, sloppy and having to be helped in the building, we're, we're going to wait till they sober up. Have, and we've never had to deal with that. We've no. always, everybody in our tournaments that I deal with anyway, usually know they have a shot at it, so they're preparing appropriately. Nobody wants to be called out for a delay of checks because they need to sober up. I think they would uh, catch some grief from their fellow competitors. Not near as much grief as they would catch if they cheated and got (laughs) caught. This is true. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, that's another thing that I, you know, probably unrelated to you, but I want to talk about it anyway, is it never dawned on me for the first couple years of doing this that if they failed the polygraph, all I'm going to do is ban them from the tournament and not give them their check. Mm-hmm. Everybody else moves up. And it was a conversation at random that we're the least of their problems. Right. It's the rest of the fishing community that's their problems. In this case, 
on Erie is seemingly proving that. <laughs> I was actually fearful for those guys' safety. Watching that video, I think uh, the tournament director, the people on stage, um, proactively intervened, and, and they were yelling at the crowd, don't touch these these guys. And I'm glad they did that because a mob kind of goes sideways sometimes, and that one could have gone very badly. It did seem like it was kind of on the edge. Yep. and You know, that's a good lesson, too. Obviously, I've never dealt with such a thing. I hope I never have to deal with such a thing, but... In the heat of the moment, are you going to think of that right. to send them to the car and just tell everybody to back off for the time being? Right. And Let the process work itself out. Right. And, you know, you got the police background, so you could probably really see it coming <laughs> yeah. when, it, when it was rocking there for oh, a minute. That oh, that, that could have gone very badly very quickly. So let me look at my notes here. We've covered a lot of material in a short amount of time. Uh, let's see. Normally I hear I'm too wordy. Well, you had a practice round. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Two, actually, because you were with our friend Brad Dawkins for the Grand Forks Herald, too. So you've, yeah. this is old hat. So another thing I wanted to bring up that some of these other tournaments used is computerized voice stress analysis. Did I get that right? Yep. And that is, according to what I've read and according to what you've said, generally not respected by the polygraph community. Could you explain what that is and how they kind of operate that versus... Just physiology like you do? I, I don't know a whole lot about um, the voice stress analysis as far as the nuts and bolts and the functionality of it. Um, I Things that I've heard is it's, it doesn't have the uh, physiological basis that polygraph has um, and generally not considered as reliable. I don't know for a fact, because I'm not familiar, again, with the ins and outs of it. But um, I, I do, I have seen the research on polygraph, and I'm very comfortable with the accuracy of that. Sorry, I'm writing down some no, stuff No, that's here. quite all right. But, the, you know, there's a lot of ways this can go. But the bottom line is, from everything that I've read since this, and I've dealt with you a long time, is being a certified polygraph examiner... Well, the, the, I guess the thing I'll... And have the proper training to right. operate The thing the I'll point out with the, the voice stress analysis is research. Is there... What body of research is there that shows what the accuracy rate is, um, what the reliability rate is? For a long time, polygraph suffered from that as well. Um, decades ago, it was used by practitioners because it, it worked. Um, nobody worried about the research because nobody really cared. They just wanted a, a field instrument that could be used to direct investigations. That's changed in the past 10 to 15 years. There's a great deal of research in polygraph right now, and that research truly bolsters the effectiveness and reliability of polygraph. I don't know that uh, CBSA has that type of backing. So research, this is new. I've not heard about all this oh. research. Got to keep you on yeah, the edge a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. So what are, what are they studying with it? Just ways to make it more accurate, more reliable? I mean, because you always hear, well, that's not admissible in court. But talk more about... See, now the, you served one up for me. The, the inadmiss- do it. I want it. <laughs> Rock it, man. <laughs> the, the inadmissibility in court um, goes back to federal rules of evidence. And um, to make a long story as short as possible... Um, there needs to be established error rate 
in any scientific evidence for it to be introduced as as evidence. The jury needs to receive information on this is the amount of weight or amount of reliability that you can uh, assign to this particular evidence. Um, DNA evidence has an error rate. X-rays have an error rate. MRIs have an error rate. Every type of scientific evidence has some type of error rate. That's why, especially with DNA, there's a one in a thousand or one in ten thousand or one in a million chance this pattern could belong to someone other than the accused. The problem with polygraph and court admissibility is that uh, that research, that error rate, um, wasn't present sufficiently to in order to be able to provide that basis for allowing it into court. I would imagine in the next five years um, that's going to change dramatically. I think the evidence, uh, the the research is there to bolster it. Um, my personal suspicion is I'm not sure either the prosecution or the defense really wants to open that Pandora's box. Uh, I'm not sure anybody wants to get it court admissible uh, because then now you have to deal with fights over polygraph in open court. They'd rather just leave it as a tool uh, and accept it for what it is. I'm just trying to wrap my head around the (laughs) fight in court. I mean, at that point, what are you going to claim? It has a .000 something failure rate? Right now, um, I... Depending on the uh, the question formulation, depending on the test format used, uh, countless studies have the the um, test formats that are most commonly used have anywhere between an eighty and a ninety three percent accuracy rate, excluding inconclusive tests. So, is it perfect? No, nothing is. Again, DNA testing, there's an error rate associated with that, but um, eighty five to ninety percent on average is is pretty good. That brings up another one with uh, the error rate. And, you know, one thing we discussed that I probably should have brought up earlier is it's a very literal test. And one of the things with polygraph testing from various tournaments, like the one on Erie that we keep going back to, is what if they were polygraphed and the wrong question was asked? You know, I think we've got our questions very ironed out how we use them. But that is one of the things is it's a very literal test. If you don't ask the question, obviously they can't be deceptive to you. Correct. And the question needs to be worded in such a way that the answer is clearly understood. Um, You can't ask or you shouldn't, and this is where the training comes in, but you shouldn't be asking questions on a polygraph examination where they can't be answered with a yes or no with complete confidence and complete clarity as far as what topic is being asked and whether or not someone actually did that. And that explains a lot. Is there anything else about polygraphing the procedures for fishing in particular that I missed that are popping into your head that we should talk about? I don't think so. I I think, uh, again, as long as it's approached with the idea that there needs to be clarity, um, there needs to be somebody... Uh, of high competence involved in doing that testing because again that's the tournament director is absorbing a lot of the risk associated with that so they need to have confidence in who's doing that testing and good communication between the director and the polygraph examiner to ensure that everyone's on the same page we must have it down because we text during the tournament the whole time (laughs) i didn't even see you at one of them this year (laughs) it works though 
But that was trial and error too, as far as getting the questions down. And there was some back and forth. You had some initial ideas on questions, and I circle back and say, "Well, we can't. We can do this one, but let's reward it to this, or we can't do this one. This would be a better, uh, better target to cover that particular area." And those types of communications really are critical in order to getting a clear test. Well, we had to, and you know, what did we take? We took almost two years, I think, before we finally jumped through the fire to do this, right. but it, it, you know, it worked out and, you know, as a director, I'm hiring you for just that. If I get the question wrong, then how do you think we should make it so it works? Right. right. And that's part of your service. So speaking of your service, if there happens to be a tournament director <laughs> in this audience and you're looking for work as a polygrapher for a tournament, how would they get a hold of you, sir? I do have a website and it's truenorthpolygraph.com. And uh, various ways to contact me are on that website. I recommend him. I've used him for eight poly, eight uh, boundary battles now, and I think five Drayton tournaments. So, uh, if you need a reference, <laughs> I, I'm your I reference. I appreciate that. Well, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your day and coming on. I hope this puts fishermen at ease. I hope this puts other tournaments at ease. And you know, I just want to get that information out there to everyone. So once again, thanks for joining me on the show. Thanks for the invite. Great. One more and we're going to sign off. Everyone in catfishing knows that fresh bait is the key to success. Keep your bait fresh and alive longer with chiller bait tanks. Chiller bait tanks are the only fully insulated rotomold tank on the market, making them the most durable tank. Chiller bait tanks offer a patent pending operating system for controlling the gases in marine storage tanks. Our tanks feature off-chamber aeration. What is off-chamber aeration, you ask? Air is compromised to 78% nitrogen, 21% oxygen. We're focused on getting that 21% oxygen in our pump bay, confining the bubble agitation, and putting more oxygen into your tank. Chiller bait tanks are available in 30 and 45-gallon models. Both include free shipping. Each tank includes three-stage Quick change filter and customizable power cord. Chiller bait tanks are compact, durable to give you many years of worry-free baits keeping. For more information, to buy your last tank first, check them out on the web at chillerbaittank.com. Reminder, between now and next week, look up all the other Grand Forks Best Source shows. There's, what, eight shows over there. There's the Grand Forks Best Source at 11. There's the movie show, the video game show, the sports show, and I'm sure there's more of them that I can't even remember. Check out all the shows and hosts at gfbestsource.com. Reminder, Season 3 sponsors, Half Brothers Brewing Company, Thunder Rays Auto Repair, Brothers Firearms, Muskox, Snowblowers, Chiller Bait Tanks. You can watch any former, older Grand Forks, Grand Forks Best Source, Catfish Best Source at redrivercatfish.com. Just simply click on the podcast button. Don't forget to sign up for the Super Clean package on the Brad Derrick Outdoors Facebook page, code word SUPERCLEAN. Look me up on the web, redrivercatfish.com, Facebook at Brad Derrick Outdoors, Instagram at Brad Derrick. Until then, for Catfish Best Source, I'm your host, Brad Derrick.